0: Homo Sapiens, welcome to a special episode-led of Polytrex. We're going to call this one We Interrupt the Podcast. It's going to be a break from our regular list because that an interesting development happened in the universe of Star Trek that Barry and I thought would be an, a, a great, tiny, one-off debate episode for us to just discuss, put our feelings out and see if if one of us can hopefully convince the other or at least get both of us on an an equal playing field. So if you haven't heard and you're one of the 10 people living under a horta, Quentin Tarantino is in talks to develop a Star Trek movie. Now, we do not know if this is going to be a trilogy or a quadrilogy or a new franchise. For all we know, it could just be a start of a mirror universe. Or it could just be one movie that he does and he says, I'm done. This is the one science fiction movie I've ever wanted to do. It's him and J.J. Abrams. And there is a writing team that's on board. And the writer of The Revenant is the top writer to write the script for this movie. Again, we do not know the full details, but we thought it would be a great place for us to just talk about how we feel about this. So how do we feel about it, Barrett?
1: Well, thank you, Shashank. I'm not necessarily the most stoked about it. And I will tell you sort of an analogy why I think that. I love, just capital L love, spicy tacos. Like the spicy, authentic bean tacos that you can get on a beach in Tulum in Quintana Roo, Mexico. Uh, just enjoying the sunshine and nice spicy food to bring. To cool you off on a hot day. That's Quentin Tarantino to me. I like the action and the dialogue and this and the crassness of Quentin Tarantino's movies. Sometimes the characters can come off as a little bit two-dimensional, but that's sort of just because sometimes that's really all they need to be within the story that it is. And sometimes, you know, your taco isn't exactly perfect, but it's it's the taco is part of the experience. That's what I love about Quentin Tarantino, and that's what I love about spicy, authentic Mexican tacos. I also love my grandmother's apple pie. She has the amazing ability of making perfect pastry every single time. Everything it, that about that pie reminds me of being young, it reminds me of just being there with my family. It's warm, it's it's happiness, it's delicious. You could just eat all of it and just enjoy every every second that you're with that with that dish. And that's what I think of Star Trek. And so both of those things are near and dear to my heart. The problem with me is, do both of those things exist in the exact same time, on the exact same plate? Could you have spicy apple pie tacos? And that's my analogous concern to Quentin Tarantino directing Star Trek.
0: Thank you for sharing that. And just before I start off, I would like to say that I, I empathize and understand the concern that barry has as i'm sure many people do now my stance is a little different and when i say a little i mean completely i have unquestionable unwavering faith in quentin tarantino doing this i know that's not the most popular opinion right now but that is how i honestly feel taking barry's analogy of spicy tacos and apple pie if i if i gave you spicy tacos and you ate them and you enjoyed them, and then I gave you apple pie for dessert, that's great. There are people who eat dessert first, that's great too. But if I ever give you a plate of chopped apple pie and taco ingredients with beautiful-looking, luscious green veggies and never-before-experienced spices and and a mix that just seems intriguing enough, and it smells great, because a lot of the essence of food is smell, it's if, if I put that in front of you, and I tell you, go ahead and try it. And if you like it, or don't like it, but I have tried it, and it's great. If you don't like it, you can put it aside, but I have a feeling you like it. If I put that in front of you, you have to, you have to confess that you'll at least be intrigued enough to try it. And then when I tell you, hey, this has apple pie and taco ingredients in it, you'd go, that's, that's no, why hasn't anybody ever done that before?
1: You might have created the next great, the great meal, right?
0: Yeah, a taco pie or an apple taco. We will, we'll figure out a, a good name for it. But the the idea with that deconstruction of the analogy that you made is that let's, let's just all come to an agreement Nobody outside of the Star Trek bubble is talking about Star Trek, or at least wasn't until a week ago. A great episodic series' first half season just came and went by, and it's almost as if it wouldn't have existed. Last year, when Stranger Things hit our collective TV screens, everybody lost their minds. It it became the, the Game of Thrones until Game of Thrones came back. And Star Trek, which we all have an affection for, might have just made a season that was progressive and interesting and intriguing and an homage to everything that we've loved about Star Trek, much in the way that Stranger Things is to the 80s. And yet there hasn't been that kind of conversation. And we had a movie last year. And say what you will about the movie, it has received great critical acclaim but it almost it's almost as if that, that movie itself never left the cultural impact that, say, Star Trek 2 or Star Trek 4 or uh, Star Trek First Contact might have left. So Star Trek is, wasn't in the conversation. And when you throw in a filmmaker like Quentin Tarantino, who's in a, in, a, in a lot of ways like Star Trek, the franchise, he's progressive in a lot of ways to a fault. He likes doing movies that you wouldn't typically go toward. He likes talking about themes that, for better or for worse, are, are a big part of our society today. And there, there are a lot of similarities in the way Star Trek has has explored our philosophy and our society and our culture. And Quentin Tarantino has. They, they both have interesting, progressive, radical in a positive way ideas. And and they both are gambles. They, they both are. At their their worst, they're fun and entertaining. And at their best, they make you rethink everything you know about life. And when you put two things like this together that are just reinventive and intriguing enough, you get possibly what could be an incredible great direction for Star Trek. And like I said, the best part is a week ago, nobody was talking about Star Trek. Now, it seems like non-Star Trek people are going out of their way to to explore more about Star Trek and Quentin Tarantino and why this is such an interesting direction and why this guy who only wants to make 10 movies in his life has chosen this as what could possibly be his ultimate or penultimate movie.
1: You know, you mentioned the idea of reinvention and definitely I feel that reinvention is one of the most important things for any franchise or any group or in my upcoming connection band could end up having. So a musical band that reinvented would be, in my opinion, the Beatles. And to equate Star Trek to the Beatles, I don't think is very far off because I think Star Trek did for sci-fi what the Beatles did for rock and roll. And if we went from Rubber Soul... To Revolver, two albums that I would say are drastically different, and the, the the time frame was so incredibly small between the albums that had stuff like "Love Me Do" and "Help" and whatnot, moving to things like "Within Without You" or um, the George Harrison song in Revolver, which I'm suddenly losing my moment on, where he talks about uh, you know no there is no time to hang a sign on me and you've got you've got an amazing sitarist playing if we could have had social media back then and people saying that the beatles have a sitarist you know a person who plays the sitar in their recording studio right now i'm sure a lot of people who liked she Loves You and uh, Girls or any of these other sort of much more conventional songs would have probably been very trepidatious about the choices that the Beatles might have been make- making at the time. But I would say that Revolver was a amazing album that they created, and it built onto a very amazing catalog and library that the Beatles would end up having by the end of the 1960s. So your idea of reinvention, Shashank, is definitely something that I am on board for and I'm hopeful for. I would say one connection that I could make would be the idea of Quentin Tarantino... Paying homage to Chinese martial arts movies in the 60s, 70s, and 80s with Kill Bill and Kill Bill Volume 2. He also does a connection over onto the Americanization of those films through Kung Fu, the David Carradine movie or TV shows that took place over the 1970s and 80s. Correct me if I'm wrong. So I. I feel that, and I like that idea of what Quentin Tarantino did, right? When we look at what he did for for Kill Bill, the martial arts aspect, the fighting acts aspect, all of those sorts of things, as a person who really does enjoy a lot of those older Chinese martial arts movies, I have to say that I feel like Quentin Tarantino did right by that genre, and he did a very good job. And yes, he did paint a little bit of Quentin Tarantino into it, but overall, he kept to the the faithfulness of that genre. Now there are likely many people who would say that absolutely not, he didn't do it. It wasn't to their liking, and I think that's the sort of idea that we get into as as things reinvent, some people fall off the hayride. As a Canadian, And probably most of our friends from northern New England and northern Montana and whatnot, we all know hayrides are fun because kids fall off of them and then they have to run to catch up. And my concern there is that there are some people who might not like Quentin Tarantino at all. And seeing this change take place, they're feeling like, okay, I'm going to fall off the hayride of Star Trek, a thing that I've loved for, in some cases, 50 years, a half of an entire century. So my thing is, is if Quentin Tarantino wants to reinvent Star Trek to some degree, he had better do right by it. And I fear to a degree that if he does reinvent it in his image, it might not necessarily carry a lot of the star trek family with us and that would be something that i'm worried about
0: so to to answer the concern that you have about that i'll do my best not to try to convince you uh, because that that seems like a pointless effort but what how i perceive what you've told and maybe that will be enough for for you to sway one way or the other when you say quentin tarantino paid homage to the to the kung fu movies that that were made in the, twen- in the mid and late 20th century by making what is arguably one of the top 10, top 15 action movies of all time with Kill Bill, Volume 1 and 2. That's a great point to make. And, and when you say there's a little bit of Quentin Tarantino, the way I, I listen to that is there is a little bit of of originality and homaging done from a place of honesty. When, when there's a zoom-in shot just like there would be a zoom in shot in a kung fu movie, and the the eyes of the characters flare up or they or they pop out. When I see things like that, I am intrigued and I'm interested in knowing where things like that come from, and that leads me to go back and watch the kung fu movies that I might have just saw in passing on a on a TV 20 years ago. When when you take that exact same filmmaker, even even with his homages and his too much Quentin Tarantino. All I can think of is that just means I am giving you, as Quentin Tarantino, everything you love about Star Trek. If I give you a great scene on the bridge with Kirk and the rest of the crew, just like we had in bottleneck episodes of the original series when they didn't have enough budgets, that's what you've been asking for. You've been telling me, I don't like your discovery because it's new. I don't like your J.J. Abrams movies because they're too much like Star Wars. Well, here you go. I'm giving you a full, unrelenting homage to what you like. I am taking something that came up 51 years ago, and now I'm giving it to you in a way that I've homaged movies that you have enjoyed before. That's That just seems like the apple pie spiced tacos all put together and I have enjoyed this plate and somebody's telling me, oh, guess what? There is a second serving that you can take home and I'm going to pack that up in a bag for you. That just seems like a great direction to me. If this person is going to homage Kung Fu movies to the point where you go, that's exactly what what, uh, a Kung Fu movie from the 70s looks like. It just seems there is, just logically, if I transport that filmmaking, that, that idea, that way of making art, that just means there is more original series Star Trek for us, and that's great, right?
1: I would agree that, yes, that if he if he goes in and really does lean on that kind of self-referential to Star Trek fan service, I would be very, very happy with that. And I would pay money and probably get the Blu-ray and all those fun little pieces to it as well. And – I agree with the idea that he is coming from a position and a place of love, and I appreciate that as well. I guess if he's paying homage, my only concern is that if he gives reference to Star Trek, I'll be happy. But if he gives too much self-reference to being Quentin Tarantino, that could be an issue to me, and that could actually bother me and take me out of the film that he ends up creating. So I would kind of paint a little picture for, for our listeners and for you, Shashank, to just sort of... Come come with me on this. So if we all recall, if we can, if we haven't, spoiler alert on Kill Bill Volume 1, uh, The Bride ends up fighting in a restaurant against a large amount of people with swords. And there's this tense moment where everyone's kind of coming to the point of conflict. And there is a fantastic little musical piece put together by the RZA. And it kind of goes doot 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 like that. And and it's got all these little feely bits to it and stuff. And it does pick up the tension and it builds itself up. My concern is, is that we're going to get a scene like that where the enterprises say coming across a Romulan warbird coming at each other. And it's this moment and that everyone in the crew is looking at the view screen and then the Romulans are looking at each other and it's building, it's building, it's building. And then they fire at each other, but you just feel like, Oh, this is just Quentin Tarantino. And that would take me out. And I would fear that that he would try to put too much of himself in it. And in that, it would be like he comes in and Paramount and CBS are like, hey, you know, let's make a movie. And he's like, yeah, but I'm Quentin Tarantino, okay? So I'm going to do what I want. And that would be something that, again, I would fear that we could end up losing a large amount of audience members and people within the Star Trek family who could say like, okay, we're happy you've made another film. This is great. We're glad to be in the theater. But I wasn't here to see a Quentin Tarantino movie. I was here to see a Star Trek movie.
0: Okay. Uh, again, valid concerns and their objective, logical, laid out from a place of love. I completely understand all of that. To the idea of there might be a little too much on the nose, too much self-reference. You are, with all due respect to you, you're talking about a movie that, and get ready to feel old, Barry, uh, because I sure am. You're talking about a movie that whose two parts came out over 10 years ago, They're, they they have evolved over time, as has the filmmaker. If you go back and watch some of his newer movies since then, like Django Unchained, or one of my favorites, The Hateful Eight, you'll see that the, the tension building and the mystery building and the the construction of the suspense around the movie is much more subtle. For example, you take the RZA tune, which is great on its own, but some would say, oh, maybe that's, that wasn't the best way to go. And then you move into his latest movie, The Hateful Eight, where you actually see the way the tension builds in that movie when everybody is pointing metaphorical guns at each other because nobody can trust them. The way they do it is they they take the crazy murderer psychopath lady in the room who's supposed to be the most dangerous of them all and they get her to play... A soft lullaby type song on the guitar to build the tension so you you cannot deny that it has gone from being all self-referential and I'm Quentin Tarantino to an original inventive new way to build, build suspense by taking something that you would typically see in a pleasant situation and now put it in a situation where you just you just know because of the way the the soft song is playing and the suspense is building and it's so subtle, you just know that things are going to go one way, but then the movie flips on itself and then you immediately are surprised and hit in the face by a, a completely unexpected turn of events. So what I'm essentially trying to say is that Quentin, as a filmmaker, has evolved and for the for the movie that Kill Bill was, I think it needed that tension. And I think he recognizes that in Star Trek the The tension is the tension might not come from a riser tune, but it might come from the slow beep of of a machine in the distance on the bridge. And as the camera zooms into Kirk's face, and Kirk is thinking and he's pondering and he's trying to figure out how to save his own life, along with his crew, there is just a monotonous beep in in the background. You can you can tell just by watching his newer movies that things have evolved and he has gotten a lot more subtle so on this one because Kill Bill's one and there have been other movies where i've seen that things like this evolve as he has evolved as a filmmaker i would be willing to give him the benefit of the doubt on that
1: fair enough and to just sort of say that to talk or maybe pay some some lip service to the things that quentin tarantino does well he does very well in a small room like reservoir dogs is a work of art and it's his first movie And the idea that it's a dialogue-driven action movie is a fantastic thing. And dialogue lends itself so well to the bridge of any Federation starship, or Klingon starship, for that matter. And I would say that if he relies on his ability to drive tension and drive story and character through dialogue, we're going to see some very, very good Trek ahead of us. And I would say the things that I would want him to perhaps curb or corral to a degree would be the level of violence and especially the bad language. I don't think there is bad language. Bad language really has a place in Trek in the level that he does it. A couple f bombs, a couple s bombs from time to time. I'm going to allow. I'm going to be okay with because I'm okay with discovery and they have done that. But if it's every second word, if they start using maybe some racial slurs in it, I am not going to be happy about that. And I'm going to want to see quentin tarantino fit into star trek rather than star trek fit into quentin tarantino and what i will kind of end my argument on this on is well we as sci-fi supporters and sci-fi fans are of course familiar with the alien original trilogy alien aliens and alien three all very different movies and i would say very much that alien three with david fincher Basically, sort of spiraled itself into a very strange place. Now, spoiler alert as well, this is a 30-year-old movie, so if you haven't seen it yet, I'm not really going to be too upset with myself. The movie ends with Ripley falling backward with a chess buster going out of herself into a pit of lava. And I don't know if necessarily that's what people wanted with the Alien franchise to end. And I ov- honestly have to say that this is where a lot of the trouble with the Alien franchise kind of got its start. It stopped for a while. There's a couple campy Alien versus Predator movies, and then we get Prometheus, which I say is an extremely flawed movie that was more ambitious than what it could possibly hang, hang on to. So with that, I would say that that is my biggest thing with Quentin Tarantino is welcome to the world of Star Trek filmmaking, Mr. Tarantino, please make sure it is Quentin Tarantino adapting to Star Trek rather than Star Trek adapting to Quentin Tarantino.
0: Just to, just to put things in perspective, this idea that there might be too much Quentin Tarantino or there might be Quentin Tarantino restructuring Star Trek to fit his filmmaking definition I think that might be that might come more from a place of emotion as opposed to a place of intellect and observation. I don't know if you know this, Parry, but as soon as Quentin Tarantino's announcement got out, uh, an announcement also followed that said Quentin Tarantino has pitched this idea to Paramount, and they immediately got both J.J. Abrams and a writing group together. So you can you can tell that Paramount knows. And recognizes that there is a, there is such love and respect for the sanctity of, of this franchise. And so I'm sure they've gotten what are considered to be the expert writers in Star Trek and director with J.J. Abrams who know, understand, and will never allow a non nuanced Star Trek movie to come out. I'm sure they'll say, okay, we can't get that racial slur in. I'm sure they'll say, okay that's way too much violence on the bridge. We can't kill 20 people just because that's a great action scene. I'm sure there are people who are putting these limitations on him. And Quentin Tarantino also has never touched a franchise before. So this will be, in a way, as as it is for him, for us, a newer, more interesting experience. And I think Paramount recognizes that too. And so I'm sure there is a discussion of, hey, you know that this is a collaborative effort. You know that, There are things that you need to respect out of Star Trek. And I wouldn't be surprised if he was the guy who brought it up. And I'm sure to convince people in the room who had legitimate doubts like you do, I'm sure he said, I'm not coming in here to give you my Kill Bill, one lady killing 80 people scene. I am coming in here to give my unrelenting, my my loving homage to this franchise. And I certainly do not think, even if this movie ends up or whatever this franchise ends up being is 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 bad. I don't think it'll be Alien Three bad because just the idea no matter who you are, no matter how you feel about Quinn and Tarantino, all his movies have critical acclaim and everybody agrees that they're original, interesting and something they've not seen before. And I think that'll be true for this franchise and the movie that he
1: makes as well. Well, I will be waiting with bated breath, and I will definitely be buying my ticket should this film, this piece of cinema, end up finding its way to my local theater. and. I hope everyone else in the world of Star Trek are interested, intrigued, and if you are a little bit trepidatious, I am with you there. And if you are super excited, then it sounds like Mr. Shashankovaru is with you, and I think that is good. This is time for good discussion, and I hope we don't get the same division like we did with Star Star Trek Discovery, and people can walk into a new form of Star Trek and see it for what it is, and talk about it for what it is, and keep their conversations. As Shashank, you have said so well, keep it logical, folks. Let's let's talk about this.
0: If all of this wasn't enough to get you on board, or at least reconsider your negative perception, I'm going to, as I have, as I have wanted to do for a while since I've heard this announcement. I'm going to pitch a Quentin Tarantino-esque Star Trek movie to Barry and see how he feels. What do you think, Barry? Hit me. All right. It's a quiet night on the Enterprise. The, it's a regular night of exploration. The crew is on a science mission. They're, they're trying to figure out what to do. Kirk is in his chair. He's, he's pondering. He's, he's in deep thought. He's figuring out a problem with Spock. And Ahura is on communications and... As they try to walk through this problem, a time-space a temporal disturbance happens and a burst comes out and immediately you see a ship flying out and everybody in the crew gets up because this was a place that nobody had discovered yet. How could they know that the enterprise might be here? Who are they? What are they doing here? And then you zoom into that ship, right? With, with complete subtle silence, you zoom into the ship and the on the view screen, as everybody stands and watches it, The name of the ship appears, and it is the USS Kelvin. And then you cut into the interior of the USS Kelvin, and you see the captain that has been a captain for maybe more than maybe a little more than five minutes. It's George Kurtinier, and then he hails Enterprise. And as as you get into this scene, and you can't wait to see where it goes, you immediately cut. You cut back, take a beat, and then come back to the. To the USS Enterprise crew. You don't know how much time has passed. You don't know what has happened. But you can see that there is the captain's chair in the center, and the rest of the crew is there. Everyone except Kirk. And they've all silently placed their hand on the on the captain's chair. And they all look remorseful. And and they all they all look like something very important in their lives has gone away from them. And then the the doors, the entrance doors, of the bridge open in the back and then a group of prisoners push in George Garrick, Sr. And he falls on his feet and he looks up to this crew that clearly is, is full of deep hatred and anger toward him. And there is a there is a phaser that, that has that has fallen off his hands. And he looks up to them and he says, it was the it was the only way it was the only way I could do it. I had to kill him. I had to kill my own son. And that's how you jump into the movie.
1: That could be interesting. So perhaps instead, we should be contacting CBS Paramount to see if we could get you perhaps on the writing crew.
0: I, am, I will happily work for scale. I am more than happy to work for free as long as I get a credit for myself and I can put my mom's name in there as a thank you for introducing me to Star Trek. I am totally on board.
1: Well, I think that will uh, will conclude this episode, not only a discussion on Quentin Tarantino, but also a pitch by one of your fantastic co-hosts here, something that I'm actually going to take some time to think about before I come back with. And perhaps in our next episode, I will come up with a, a rejoinder to that pitch, or perhaps a, a comment on that pitch. But until next time we meet everybody, we hope that you live long and prosper.
0: Thank you for joining us on We interrupt this podcast, Namaste Home Mercedes.